It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Wilson, you sent the game-winning email at the buzzer, avoiding a 4.55 meeting on everyone's calendar. How did you do it? I got a huge assist from Grammarly, an AI writing partner that helped me make my point. And it works everywhere I write. Summarizing a doc only took one click. When everyone uses Grammarly, everything just makes sense. Go to Grammarly.com slash podcast to download it for free. That's Grammarly.com slash podcast. Easier said, done. Jackson Gatlin here, host of the Monday edition Locked On NBA podcast. Every Monday, I cover the three biggest stories in the NBA with the local experts from Locked On. It's an awesome recap of the weekend of the NBA and a look at what's ahead. Mark your calendars on Monday to join me for Locked On NBA podcast. Available on YouTube and wherever you get your podcasts. Oh, because when I shot, I expected to make it. So I don't shoot kind of miss. You are Locked On Raptors, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Canada, the NBA title is yours. We're going to the free time the Hail Mary 3 by Mo Get that garbage out of here. Hey, what's going on? Welcome to episode number 821 of Locked On Raptors for Monday, November the 9th. I'm your host, Sean Woodley of RaptorsHQ.com. You can find me on Twitter as always, at WoodleySean. You can find the show at Locked On Raptors, where you can find links to every single episode of the podcast. And of course, please make sure you're checking out the entirety of the Locked On Podcast Network. We've got lots of great stuff for you to check out, including lots of pre-draft stuff to get excited for. Next week on the Locked On NBA channel, you'll be hearing a full mock draft from the host of the Locked On Podcast Network. Might start as even, even as early as this week. I got to double check the schedule. But either way, Locked On NBA is a place to be. Subscribe to, rate, review, and then wait for that uh, three-part Locked On mock draft, 10 teams at a time. I will be in the third part as I drafted 29th overall on behalf of your Toronto Raptors, so get ready for that and, uh, and have a fun listen. It's going to be a lot of fun. All the hosts are really, really smart, and they're going to offer some great stuff, some fun trades and stuff in there as well, so get ready for that next week. All right, on today's show, we are sort of going to continue a line of conversation that's been going for what seems like four months, and that is Fred Van Vliet, his free agency, what's going to happen with Fred, and in particular, we're going to dive into the Fred Van Vliet situation as it pertains to one team that could really kind of spoil everything for the Raptors here, if they just throw a bunch of money at Fred it could kind of put the Raptors on their heels a little bit and make it difficult to match in free agency. And uh, I think a lot of Raptors fans are worried about this team. That team is the Detroit Pistons. And here with me today to talk about the Pistons and their likelihood of going after Fred Van Vliet, the degree to which they'd be interested, as well as just some general offseason stuff about our pals led by our old friend Dwayne Casey. And of course, uh, some college stuff as well as our guest is a Michigan State head. And uh, as you know, listening to this podcast, Xavier Tillman from Michigan State is the only person I want the Raptors to draft. That is a very large intro for someone who deserves it. He's excellent. You'll find him on Twitter at Laz Chance. He also writes for Detroit Bad Boys and hosts the Detroit Bad Boys podcast. It is Lazarus Jackson. Lazarus, how are you, man? I'm doing well. That was a massive introduction, and I appreciate it. <laughs> Look, man, it. <laughs> I'm a person... 
who talks a lot, and sometimes I, uh, <laughs> I fly off the handle. But again, it's worth it for you because uh, you do great stuff covering the Pistons just down the road from Toronto. Uh, let's dive into Fred here, man. So the Pistons are one of these few teams that has a lot of money to burn this offseason, and you know it's unclear as to what their intentions are. Last week, Zach Lowe made note in his piece uh, that kind of made me feel a little bit better that maybe the Pistons would be more inclined to use that cap space to absorb bad contracts from teams to take on assets in return and sort of use it like maybe the Hawks have in recent years, things like that. And then there's also the potential that they could just really want to get the eighth seed or something like that and go out and spend a bunch of money on a guy like Fred Van Vliet, who would instantly become their second best player behind Blake Griffin or something like that. Um, So Lazarus, my question to you is, how scared should Raptors fans be of the Pistons being the team to pony up the money to lure Fred Van Vliet away from Toronto? Scale of 110, I put it at like a three or a four. Um, I, like, again, we, we, you mentioned the report from Zach Lowe that the team is going to use the cap space that they have to absorb bad contracts. The new general manager of the Detroit Pistons, Troy, Troy Weaver, has said uh, multiple times that the team is undergoing a, a restoration, not a rebuild, because rebuild means you won't buy tickets, but a restoration. Um, and so I, and they want to maintain future flexibility. And so I don't think paying a guy like Fred what he's going to be worth on the open market does a good job of maintaining the future flexibility that they've said. Um, Fred's a really great player. I think uh, a lot of the rumors tying Fred to the Pistons are both because, you know, earlier in in the season under a different, similar, but different front office um, with a different goal of, you know, trying to make the playoffs. I do think there was a good deal of interest around Fred Van Vliet. But, you know, the team is in a different space, different roster. You know, guys like Andre Drummond and Reggie Jackson are, are not on the team anymore. And so I, I think they're done trying to, to chase the eight seed. I think they're, they're stepping off the treadmill of mediocrity and, uh, and they're heading for that restoration. And I don't think Fred Van Fleet is a good part of that. Now, yeah, I th- sorry, go ahead. No, no to be fair, they are like one of the like three or four teams with cap space. And so mm-hmm. I do think that um, Fred's agent, you know, obviously be talking in communication with them as a leverage play. And, you know, if they ended up with Fred Van Fleet, I don't think they'd be like unhappy about it. I don't mm-hmm. think they're they I don't think the pursuit of him is uh, like at the top of their priority. Yeah, I think you mentioned the hiring of Troy Weaver in the sort of different direction it seems the team's headed um, compared to the previous regime. And yeah, I kind of it's weird. I don't want this to sound as though I think only a bad GM will sign Fred Van Vliet in free agency. Because well, obviously, for your sake. I want yeah. yeah. I mean, I want the Raptors <laughs> to sign him. I think he's very good. But I do think I'm sort of looking around at the teams with GMs that are a little bit more desperate maybe and the, the the teams who, you know, maybe they have so little hope that they can talk themselves into Fred Van Vliet being their number one or two, which I just don't think he's going to be. I love Fred Van Vliet. He's amazing. I want him back with the Raptors. But if he's your first or second best player, you're probably not going to be a very good team. And that's totally fine. That the Fred doesn't need to be that great, you know, especially considering in Toronto, the ecosystem that's here for him to work with it. I think you'd be happy to pay him between, you know, 16 and 20 million bucks a year to keep him around. My biggest fear has always been a team kind of coming out of the woodwork and saying, all right, here's 25 million a year, Fred Van Vliet, please <laughs> right. take it. And the Pistons were on that list, but I'm guessing, yeah, 25 would probably be 
way out of their price range at this point, considering what they'd like to use that cap space for. Do you see a number that if it were out there for whatever reason, say the Raptors are being, you know, a little bit close to the vest, maybe they're uh, sort of second guessing what they want to do with Fred or they're not, you know, offering up a big, big enough number off the top. You know, is there a number you could see the Pistons throwing out there that you would be comfortable with? Or is it just kind of a non-starter either way? That's a good question. So the I don't know if you remember the athletic a couple of weeks ago had a like a mock draft offseason like simulation for individual free agents and Fred Van Fleet was one of them and uh, the Detroit Pistons who are covered the athletic beat writer for the Detroit Pistons is James Edwards and you know me of him have talked about Fred Van Fleet but uh, he came in and his his mock draft pitch was like hey uh, you know you'll you'll start and he had an offer of four years 80 million and obviously like the the team you know took multiple offers and uh came back and they got better offers and uh they uh the whoever was i think it was i think it was uh i think it was blake who was running the the raptors came back to the pistons and and james and said like hey like we've gotten you know different offers are you willing to up your offer and james Mm -hmm. is like nope four years 80 million is what we got and so (laughs) i think i think that's kind of the situation the pistons are in with fred van fleet right like if if fred's willing to take uh like a four-year 17 million dollar a year deal or 17 million per i don't remember what four times is off the top of my head because i'm bad at math um <laughs> like if, if he's don't willing worry, to neither take, can i it's all good <laughs> <laughs> if he's willing to take that like sure they'll give it to him no problem but if mm-hmm. he can find a better market than that then they they don't have uh they have better or they have different i would say different uses for for that cap space in mind and so yeah it, somewhere in the neighborhood of like 17 18 and I think is the, is the ceiling. Yeah, and like, you know, I, I think that has always kind of been the number I think the Raptors would start out with and see what else he could get out there. And again, my fear was the 25 mil. It just, I don't know, because of the cap not going up at all or just 2% or whatever it is, and because of all the financial uncertainty, I wonder if maybe that's going to actually kind of work in the Raptors' favor here a little bit because no team is going to say, all right, here's 4 and 100 for you, Fred, whereas, you know, 4, I think, Four seven. That's sixty eight. I think uh, <laughs> I scribbled it down on a on a, on a post that I think I'm right. Um, but you know, yeah, if they can get it for four sixty eight. I think the Raptors will be laughing because I I do think it's at the point too. I don't see any team out there if they have an equal offer to the Raptors being able to lure Fred away. There's a lot of reason why Fred would want to stay in Toronto. They're very good. A lot of the teams that are going to have the money to throw around are not very good. And, you know, Fred has had a lot of success endorsement-wise in Canada and stuff as well. So I I think, you know, if that $25 million godfather offer isn't out there, I don't see him really being pried away. Yeah, and I, I don't think the you know endorsement opportunities are so much stronger in Detroit versus Toronto. <laughs> to be to be fair, hey, the Detroiters guys could uh, come up with a really good Fred VanVleet campaign. I could Ooh. I could totally get on board with that. Uh... <laughs> <laughs> maybe maybe get Sada Baby to make a song about him. That sounds. <laughs> Uh, we're going to continue on with this conversation. I want to dive into some more Fred and the Pistons hypotheticals because it's an interesting team to put them on. Of all the teams out there uh, that could potentially throw money, I think the Pistons intrigue me the most. So we'll get into that in just a second. But first, I want to tell people about Built Bar, which is the best tasting protein bar you are ever going to try. And as I've told you before, they have six brand new flavors joining their original lineup of 12 flavors that you can now try. They've got caramel brownie, cookies and cream, cherry barcia, lemon almond cheesecake, carrot cake, and apple almond crisp. Join
joining the party, along with some of their old faves like mint brownie, banana bread, and my all-time favorite, toffee almond. Bars are covered in 100% chocolate, and they are soft and easy to chew, and they're great for the health-conscious person as well. You can lose or maintain weight while indulging in a delicious treat. Bars are low-calorie, low-sugar, high-protein, high-fiber, and they're great for keto diets as well. I just like a built bar when I don't want to be bogged down with a really heavy meal. On Saturday, I went for a 42-kilometer bike ride. It was very tiresome, but it was less tiresome because I had a built bar in me because I had one for breakfast. And that was a great way to get my day started when I didn't want to bog myself down with a heavy meal before my long bike ride. Right now, when you go to BuiltBar.com as well, you're going to get a free cooler with your purchase while supplies last. Go to BuiltBar.com, use the promo code LOCKEDON to get 20% off your next order and that free cooler. Once again, that's promo code LOCKEDON for 20% off at BuiltBar.com. Wilson, you sent the game-winning email at the buzzer, avoiding a 4.55 meeting on everyone's calendar. How did you do it? I got a huge assist from Grammarly, an AI writing partner that helped me make my point. And it works everywhere I write. Summarizing a doc only took one click. When everyone uses Grammarly, everything just makes sense. Go to Grammarly.com slash podcast to download it for free. That's Grammarly.com slash podcast. Easier said, done. All right, Lazarus. So let's say the Pistons do come with like 488 and they lure Fred VanVleet away. He's playing for the Pistons. He's a starting point guard playing for Dwayne Casey again in this hypothetical situation. What what do you think you could reasonably expect from Fred VanVleet? You know, again, like I said in the first segment, I think Fred is awesome. I don't know if he's awesome if he's your lead point guard and your sort of main source of creating offense. Maybe the Pistons could figure out some secondary ways to create. I'm not sure. You know, you got Blake Griffin's very good, obviously. He can kind of do some creation. But do you think it would be a good fit basketball-wise, kind of putting the money aside for a second? Uh, I think I think there are ways to make it work, especially offensively. Um, you know, Dwayne Casey has always been a proponent, even back to when he was the coach of the Raptors, right? Of multiple guard lineups. Um, you can I can very easily see like Derrick Rose and Fred Van Fleet sharing the floor, Luke Kennard and Fred Van Fleet sharing the floor, and then that way you get multiple ball handlers, multiple shot creator creators on the floor at one time, just so like Fred doesn't have to take on the full uh, offensive load like that. Um, when we last saw Blake Griffin fully healthy, he was also a very high usage player for the Pistons. And um, Fred's an excellent catch and shoot guy. And, and I can definitely see Blake drawing double teams out of the post and kicking it to Fred for, for open shots and that being successful. And then, you know, the, the element that I think would be a little bit trickier if Fred is on the team is Christian Wood, right? I don't, right. I think the Pistons have what, like, I think it's like roughly 30 million in, uh, in, uh, in space and in like functional space. And so if Fred Van Fleet is on the team, I struggle to see a, a universe in which Christian Wood is. But if they are, like, I think that would be a very nice pairing. It's just like your traditional uh, pick and roll, pick and pop uh, pairing with, with Wood driving and uh, able to space the floor from three. Um, and so, yeah, like and Fred's a great player, right? Like he, he competes defensively. He grew as a distributor this year. Um, mm-hmm. I think his, his scoring threat is a little bit uh, underrated, but that's because of like the role he's asked to play for that Raptors team. Um, and so I don't want to demean his game at all and say like, no, he wouldn't be a good fit because he would. He would be a great fit for, for any team, and that includes the Pistons. Yeah, he's an easy guy to fit alongside anybody, basically. I mean, he work off ball if you feel like Derrick Rose should have the ball in his hands more often because he's not a great shooter. Fred's actually best working off ball, so that'd be a pretty good fit. Um, and it's just a matter of, you know, how much do you want to be 
sort of committing to a guy who's probably going to be well ahead of the curve of whatever your next wave is going to look like, right? I mean, right. they have the seventh pick in this year's draft. They took Sekou Dumboya last year, who's more of a developmental kind of ascendant guy. It feels like, you know, you'd almost be at the end of Fred's contract by the time, you know, the next wave of, like, great Pistons players is kind of ready to really kind of hit the big time. So, yeah, I- I'm growing less and less concerned about the Pistons. If I had to, like, rank it right now, it's probably... I mean, the Knicks are always a wild card because they can get real stupid real fast. So yeah, maybe the Knicks if, are number one. If I was one. you, I would be, yeah, I'd be worried about the Knicks. Yeah, just because like, no one ever knows what the Knicks are thinking, right? And yeah. they have the cap space to, to do anything. It's like, yeah, worry about them. Don't worry about us so much. Yeah, yeah. And then, yeah, like the Hawks and Suns, I think, are kind of in there too. But I, I'm less concerned about them as well. It's the, it's the dumb Knicks who uh, just want to ruin everything for everybody all the time. But then again, if you're Fred Van Vliet, why would you want to play for the Knicks when you can keep on playing for the very good Raptors and the Knicks are uh, a hell franchise? Who's to say? Um, I, I'm curious, uh, Lazarus, you know, we've talked a lot about Fred there's the cap space there either way, even if they don't get Fred. And there is one RFA on the Raptors that's a little bit interesting. I'm curious, has there been any talk about a potential offer sheet for a Chris Boucher or anybody really? Like, it doesn't seem like this is going to be a crazy offer sheet offseason because of just like the sheer lack of time, frankly, and not wanting to tie <laughs> yeah. up all your cap space with the one week of free agency you're going to have before training camp. But uh, I'm wondering, like, would that be worth it for the Pistons just to try to get, like, a, a flyer in there? I mean, it's not like Chris Boucher's young or anything like that. He's, like, 27, so maybe it's not even worth it. But um, I figure while I have you here, I should ask you about other Raptors that the Pistons' cap space could be spent on. I think Boucher would be interesting. Um, I like the the uh, very di- different dimension of rim protection he offers. But and the Pistons do need big men. Um, I think the only big men on the roster technically right now are Thon Maker and Justin Patton and Blake. Um, and so, like, yeah, you probably like would want another starting level center in there somewhere. But I think Justin Patton kind of plays that role of developmental backup big man right now. Mm-hmm. I don't know what the team's plan is for for Thon Maker. Uh, once I learned what his qualifying offer was, his his future became way more in flux as a Detroit Piston. Um, what's, the, what's his qualifying offer? I think it's five million, Ooh. which is like which is like four million too much for. It's a Thon lot Maker. of fun maker. Yeah, that's all. <laughs> and so yeah, so yeah, it's a uh, it's tricky. Um, so no, I don't, I don't, and Boucher is not a name that's come up um, anywhere that I've seen. And so I think I think you're safe on that one. Yeah, I can't imagine anyone's really going to be eager to throw an offer sheet at Chris Boucher. He's fine. He's good. I think the Raptors will just like give him the qualifying offer and move on and see what happens this year. But yeah, yeah I just, you know, the Pistons are interesting because there's so few teams that you can look at and be like, oh, what could they do with that cap space? What could they do? It's probably going to end up being, oh, they take on this not so great contract and get a pick or two for it. And then it's kind of boring. But do you expect like a like a busy offseason for Detroit? No, I suspect, I suspect they'll do most of their prep work like before the draft Um, my suspicion is that they would like to acquire multiple picks in this year's draft and so they'll do some legwork to get that done uh, on the day of the draft and then it'll be a quiet free agency period Um, if if you want to rebuild you do it with young guys maybe some there are some young free agents you offer some RFA sheets to guys like uh, guys like Chris Dunn or DeAnthony Melton um, or uh, even unrestricted guys like Harry Giles or Gerlin Noel but, you know, all those guys are, you know, under 25, right? Mm-hmm. And so we talked a little bit about how Fred would be kind of like entering or exiting his prime at the at the tail end of like a, a four-year deal. Um, those guys would hopefully 
be you know still in their primes after like a, a two or three year deal and you they would be growing with the team instead right. of like you know pulling the team out outside of a, a, a winning structure that they'd like to be in totally makes sense to me man uh it should be interesting to keep an eye on the pistons in the off season and again hopefully they don't throw that big money at fred van vliet for raptors fans it'd be great for pistons fans i'd be very happy for you fred's awesome it would be uh, a nice little surprise but i i don't think raptors fans need to fret all that much considering the sort of reporting over the last week or so as it pertains to detroit uh with that lazarus i need to ask you about a couple draft guys because you are a michigan state guy Xavier Tillman, I, I'm, I'm an Xavier Tillman guy. <laughs> He's the only guy I want the Raptors to pick. <laughs> I'm dead set on it. I don't care about any of the other prospects, except for maybe Cassius Winston, who also happens to be a Michigan State guy. We will get to some talk about Tillman and Winston on the other side. But first, I want to remind people to go and check out the Locked On podcast covering your favorite NFL team. The NFL season, for some reason, continues on, and they seem to be growing more and more unmoved by the existence of the virus. But there's some great stuff going on covering all the teams in the NFL that you care about most. And uh, highly worth a listen if you're an NFL fan. We also got Fantasy Show, a draft show, all that stuff for you to go and subscribe to, rate, and review. Wilson, you sent the game-winning email at the buzzer, avoiding a 4.55 meeting on everyone's calendar. How did you do it? I got a huge assist from Grammarly, an AI writing partner that helped me make my point. 96% of Grammarly users say that it helps them craft more impactful writing. Would you agree? Grammarly helped adjust my tone to navigate tough work conversations. And it works everywhere I write, so I can quickly communicate effectively. Your teammate used Grammarly to summarize an important document, making a three-pointer. How did he do it? It only took one click. When everyone uses Grammarly, everything just makes sense. You made an incredible slam dunk to end the game. The meeting was canceled, and your team will go home champions. Go to Grammarly.com slash podcast to download it for free. That's Grammarly.com slash podcast. Easier said, done. All right, Lazarus, let's uh, dive into my boo, Xavier Tillman, the three-year big man out of Michigan State. He is the defending Big Ten Defensive Player of the Year. He throws kick-ass passes. He can barely jump, uh, but he, to me is just a guy I want to see play for the team that I like because I want to see a big man who plays like that. Marcus All might be on his way out, and this might be the closest approximation you can find. First of all, let's, let me ask you that. If the Raptors do lose Marcus All and Xavier Tillman is the replacement, which I'll spoil ahead, he might be the guy I took in the lockdown NBA mock draft. I'm not sure. Let's just wait and listen. But if you know me, it's a good chance. Either way, um, are the Raptors getting some sort of Marcus All stand in? Obviously, not the refined, multi time, you know, all NBA, all defense player and global champion and like dude is going to drink and almost fall off a bus at a parade just yet. But <laughs> in terms of just sort of the skeleton of the player that's there, is that some sort of outcome for Xavier Tillman in the NBA? I think that is like a, it's a weird, like cross racial comparison, but I don't hate it. Right. Uh, X is a little bit shorter than Gasol, and obviously that'll have an impact defensively. He's listed at 6'8", 245. I think he's closer to like 6'7", 245. But mm-hmm. that's fine because he uh, he's one of the like single strongest human beings I've ever seen in college. Mm-hmm. He was he was uh, 
the thing I always remember is how like Zion was having trouble with him in the final four game because like <laughs> Zion blows through everybody with his strength and his quickness. And X was just like, no, like, I'm just going like, to, we're, we're just going to like ground bound, like pound each other. And like, that's going to be fine. Like you have to live with that. But no, uh, you mentioned the passing. Uh, that's something that Gasol had. He's a great um, short roll passer. Uh, Xavier is. Um, I think mm-hmm. Gasol was a better like top of the key, like backdoor cutting passer. Right. You run, you run like, you know, Cassius Winston and Xavier Tillman run like a weak side pick and roll. You kick to the corner and like Aaron Henry or Gabe Brown would be open. And like that, that was like how the offense like should have ran a lot of the time at Michigan mm-hmm. State. It wasn't, but it, <laughs> it, it should have been. Um, and the the thing out of there, but like they're two, Gasol and X are like two very like burly dudes and like just very heady defensive players, very intelligent, very tough. You don't get to be as well loved by Tom Izzo as Xavier is if you're not tough. Mm-hmm. And so, and like, so he's a really tough guy. So like, yeah, I, I think he'd be a great fit for, for any team, anything that's trying to, that needs a big man. And that is like uh, contending for the playoffs. I think he could definitely make an instant impact. Um, I think he would be an excellent fit in Toronto. I, I don't know if he'd, if that's the best fit, if he's like starting right away, if you mm-hmm. lose both like Gasol and Ibaka. Right. But, um, but if he's playing behind Ibaka or like as part of like a, three-man rotation with like with you know the aforementioned Chris Boucher like that could absolutely work and you'd be you'd be set for a good long time yeah there are a lot of reasons why I think it's a pretty good fit and one you just mentioned it and kind of confirmed it like he sounds like he's just kind of a bad mf'er which the Raptors pride themselves on only employing bad mf'ers that seems like a pretty good fit (laughs) culture-wise I also think you know, this is going to be a weird season where the G League might not really be operational. We don't know what it's going to look like. We don't know how long the season's going to be. This might be kind of a lost year developmentally at the G League level. And, you know, typically the Raptors would take someone with this pick sort of with the assumption that, oh, yeah, well, they're just going to go to the G League and they'll play for a year and then uh, they'll get finals votes, the finals MVP votes like two years later or whatever. And that's just how it works with their sort of off the scrap heap guys. Um, so and spoiled. <laughs> it's pretty good, I got to say. <laughs> <laughs> but when it comes to a guy like Tillman, who, like you just said, can kind of step in and contribute right away, maybe as a backup, he seems like he's a little bit more refined. He's a three-year college player, which the Raptors have not been afraid to draft older players in the past. That's just something that is, you know, that they've kind of bucked that trend, it seems, when the rest of the league likes to go young. They'll say, you're 21? Great. That means you're ready and you're, you're experienced. That works for us. It just, to me, if you can get a guy who can actually play this year without needing a ton of seasoning at the G League level and can give you 15 minutes a game off the bench, that's kind of, to me, the way to play this 29th pick because it's going to be such a strange developmental season. And so that's another reason why I think that works. You know, if you want to go with a higher upside guy, you know, you have a pick next year. Maybe that's when you kind of do that, when things are more back to normal. Whereas this year, if you can get someone who's just ready to go right away, I think that'd be pretty valuable. Um I want to ask you about Cassius Winston too, uh, Lazarus, because he is, he figures to probably be around in that range. I wanted to ask you one more thing though. Did did you see his, uh, his, the three point shooting combine footage? I did see the three point shooting combine footage. Uh, if I'm not mistaken, he finished second in that drill, 75%, uh, going around the, around the world. Is that basically, am I wrong? No, that's about right. That's an element that he occasionally flashed at MSU. It was not Mm -hmm. something that was often like asked of him. Mm-hmm. But I think that if if that's real, um, you know, and obviously you don't want to get worked up about, you know, 
combine workouts in in uh, a setting during a pandemic where it's him like literally inside the Pistons uh, practice facility with like a coach <laughs> with a mask on. But like at the same time, um, you know, he's always had a great touch. And the and if you can get him to be an like a 34, 35% shooter on half decent volume, like all of a sudden, like, yeah, at that, that point, like, yeah, that guy could start. Absolutely. Yeah, and I'm also not worried about the size thing either. I also should have noted that in terms of reasons why it, I, I like it. You know, yes, he's six foot eight, maybe six foot seven, as you said, but if he's a good backline defender, he's positionally sound, he can kind of, you know, switch between doing a drop coverage or maybe hedge up high, which it seems like he's able to do just from what I've watched of him. You know, that really works with what the Raptors have. The Raptors have Pascal Siakam and OG Ananobi, the three and four, which you're not really finding a better three four combination on defense in the entire NBA adventure that's really, really freaking good, people don't get to the rim very often against the Raptors. So even if you do have like a bit of a size disadvantage, usually you're going to have Tillman kind of waiting back there with some sort of advantage he can press, whether he's just one-on-one with a guy or there's like help or whatever it is, Um, you know, it just, or they just don't get there because of how good the Raptors perimeter guys are. It just feels like it would work size-wise and to be pretty good, uh, in terms of a front court, because, you know, OG and Pascal are bigger for the three and four position than most guys are at that spot. So you kind of balance things out a little bit, I think. Um, and Tillman's also a very good rebounder, even though he is a bit smaller. So that also kind of mitigates that a little bit. Um, so, yeah, again, Xavier Tillman, do it right now uh, in terms of. <laughs> Cassius Winston, um, you know, maybe he's not going to go in the first round. He might be more of a second round type guy. I don't think he'll fall all the way to 59 based on sort of where he's mocked. He's been mocked to the Raptors in the first round in a couple of different mock drafts here and there. Um, But it does feel like he's probably going to fall into that early mid second round. I I do wonder if the Raptors might look at trading back from 29 for a couple of picks in the 30s and 40s just to sort of, I think the the Sixers have a couple in there, maybe just to kind of get a couple extra guys in since it's been two years since they've really had any sort of developmental pieces. You know, they had OG and they haven't had a first round pick since then. If they feel this draft, as Dan Tolzman, the assistant GM said, is kind of flat between, you know, 15 and four, and 55. Maybe they want to take two shots in that range. Um, but, you know, again, maybe it's not likely, but maybe it is. Cassius Winston, though, Lazarus, what kind of NBA player do you think he's going to be? Would he be a good fit? Probably just like a backup guard with a lot of experience and acumen type of guy. But uh, what are his NBA prospects based on what you've seen? Uh, I think he's definitely destined for a life as like the super heady, backup point guard uh, that everyone like would like to have on their team. Um, he's a very intelligent player, very crafty, uh, four-year senior. And and so you can kind of see him kind of uh, like pick on freshmen who like don't know how to play basketball because he's been playing basketball at such a high level for so long. Um, he's a great, great shooter off the catch and off of movement. And so I think that'll help him kind of find his place more quickly in the NBA you're able to be a guy who's able to play in the backcourt and still kind of play off of another guy. I think that'll be really, really helpful for finding minutes right away. Um, great passer has all the bounce passes, all the, with either hand, all the cross court, like snap passes, sees things uh, in advance of the, of the defense rotating. Um, I think he, I think he'd be a really good uh, NBA player. The limiting factor for Cassius has always been kind of like physically, um, right, he's only right. he's only he's only six two. He is not the uh, like most in shape point guard you've ever seen in your entire life. He's not exactly like Dennis Smith Jr. at six <laughs> two. 
And so, uh, like, you always wonder about the physical limitations, if he'll be able to create his own shot, um, uh, at, at the, if he'll be able to get to the room within, like, frequency. But uh, at the same time, like, if, if you have another guy on your team who can bend a defense a little bit, Cassius can, like, definitely, like, take advantage of those cracks and, like, widen them even further. And so um, I've been looking at teams at the you know bottom of the first round, top of the second round for Cassius Winston. Uh, the, the Lakers would be a really good place for him. Not like, you know, necessarily getting to play off of LeBron, but even getting to play like in, in those bench units with AD at the beginning of the second quarter in that, in that Rondo role. I think that'd be an excellent fit for him. Um, Philly would be an interesting fit. They do need shooting. They do need, they do need playmaking. They do need like primary ball handling. Uh, he definitely like wouldn't start, but again, like in a, in a bench lineup role, he could definitely keep an offense uh, afloat. For a couple of uh, for a couple minutes, and then uh, the Knicks. I think the Knicks. He'd be interesting for the Knicks. Knicks aren't a good team, obviously, but um, as a complementary piece to a guy like RJ, who you'd like to give the keys to eventually, and as a guy who can create uh, in the pick and roll easy baskets for a guy like Mitchell Robinson, I think he'd be an intriguing fit there. With that cool, like yeah. Clippers pick at the bottom of the at the bottom of the first right. Yeah, I mean, he sounds. I mean, it's interesting. You mentioned he's a rotund point guard who uh, maybe has some physical limitations. I wonder if the Raptors have ever had some success with someone like that. Uh, you know, I'm gonna let <laughs> I'm gonna let you say that. I'm not gonna say that because if I say that, I sound like a homer. No, no, that's that's uh that that's totally fine. <laughs> uh, <laughs> it's just. It's interesting because Winston, it, it sucks that the Raptors don't have any clarity on the Fred thing before the draft because if they were just looking for a guy who could become, you know, not your starting two guard or anything like that, but a good backup point guard if you're going to promote Norm Powell to the starting lineup or whatever it is, like Winston seems like he could make some sense and kind of follow the mold that a Fred did, a, a longtime college legend who becomes a n- not surprising at all, very good NBA player, kind of like Monte Morris as well. Like, oh, these guys who played for four years at a very high level and were super competent become very good NBA players. Truly wild. Um, and so, like, yeah. I, that could be a pretty good fit. But if they think they have Fred locked down, then I feel like they'd rather address something else that might be of more need. I don't want to go and say that if the Raptors take Cassius Winston or another guard on draft night in 20, at 29 that you should be worried about Fred, but that might kind of like tip, tip their hand a little bit. I'm not sure. I mean, they also could just be drafting the player they think is the best and aren't too worried about the, the positional need or whatever because the Raptors can figure that stuff out too. But um, very interesting stuff. He sounds like a fun player. I would not hate it if he were a Raptor by the end of draft night next week, which is still somehow nine days away. I don't understand. But uh, in the meantime, <laughs> uh, we will uh, continue to stew on how much the Raptors should take Xavier Tillman. Uh, <laughs> that will be what we do between now and the 18th. We will also be reading and listening to Lazarus Jackson. Lazarus, thank you so much for coming to the podcast today, man. Where can people check out your work? No, thank you again, Sean, for having me. Uh, people can check out my work on Detroit Bad Boys. You can follow me on Twitter at LazChance. That's at L-A-Z-C-H-A-N-C-E. Uh, for more news about how you're safe from Fled Van Fleet uh, being pursued <laughs> by the Pistons, you can uh, download and subscribe to the Detroit Bad Boys podcast.
Fantastic. Uh, you do great work, man. And hopefully we can have you back on again. Hopefully not to talk about future Detroit Piston Fred Van Vliet, at least for my sake. Uh, and uh, <laughs> That's going to do it for today's podcast. Thank you so much to everybody for tuning in. I'll be back again tomorrow. I think I might actually re-air a couple of really good episodes we did during the pandemic uh, when, frankly, not many people were listening to the podcast because why would they? It was May in the middle of a pandemic. But we did some really fun ones, and I might just uh, re-leak a couple of those because guess what? We're getting close to the draft, and there's not so much draft stuff to talk about left. Uh, until trades and stuff happen, we've kind of drafted ourselves out here on the podcast. So you'll get a fun re-air of a fun episode tomorrow, probably Wednesday as well. And we will close out the week. We'll bring back our pals, Vivek and Katie, to close things out as well. And uh, that's about it. Thank you so much for tuning in. I'm on Twitter at Woodley Sean. Subscribe to Rate Review, all that good stuff. We will talk to you again on Tuesday with another episode of Locked on Raptors. Wilson, you sent the game-winning email at the buzzer, avoiding a 4.55 meeting on everyone's calendar. How did you do it? I got a huge assist from Grammarly, an AI writing partner that helped me make my point. 96% of Grammarly users say that it helps them craft more impactful writing. Would you agree? Grammarly helped adjust my tone to navigate tough work conversations. And it works everywhere I write, so I can quickly communicate effectively. Your teammate used Grammarly to summarize an important document, making a three-pointer. How did he do it? It only took one click. When everyone uses Grammarly, everything just makes sense. You made an incredible slam dunk to end the game. The meeting was canceled, and your team will go home champions. Go to Grammarly.com podcast to download it for free. That's Grammarly.com podcast. Easier said, done. Hey, Prime members. You can listen to this Locked On podcast ad-free on Amazon Music. Download the Amazon Music app today.